Well, look at your neighbor and tell him, I like your shoes. I was actually looking at uh, Pastor Cole. Pastor Cole, are you still around here? I was looking at his pants. If you can get a shot on this, his pants were like that tight around his little ankle. And I thought, how did he get his big foot in that thing? But anyway. (laughs) New series. Spiritual terrorism. Winning the battle against an unseen enemy. You see in the background, there's a car turned upside down. There's a building on fire. Buildings have been demolished. It reminds us of of, uh, traditional warfare. In a traditional war, uh, war is declared. Our Congress has the power to declare war against another nation. Weapons are amassed. Troops are amassed. The nations fight. And here's the deal. Everybody knows what's going on. It's a public thing. Certainly, there's still behind the things, tactical things, but it's very public. It's it's out in the open. But this spiritual war that we are in, that I'm going to talk to you about today, is an unseen war. We see the results of it. For example, the Twin Towers. uh, There's a a picture here. I remember exactly where I was. We had just finished uh, morning prayer on a Tuesday morning, and our church staff on Mall Drive and uh, Rusty Stewart called up to his mom and said, hey, you got to turn the TV on. America's under attack. And we weren't attacked by a nation, per se. We were attacked by terrorists. And these terrorists, you would think we'd have known they were coming, but somehow it slipped past the FBI. The CIA didn't know it. Even an airplane instructor that taught one of these terrorists to fly an airplane. And the terrorist said to him, he said, I don't care about learning how to land an airplane. I just want to know how to fly it. And you would think that would have sent off alarm bells, but it didn't. Their strategy was unseen. Well, I want to tell you, friends, the Bible teaches that Satan, the devil, and demons are real. And there's an unseen battle that we're fighting, and oftentimes we're not even aware of it. And there's a passage that I want to use as my text. It's found in the book of Ephesians. We'll actually do a whole message on this. But Ephesians 6, 11 says, put on all God's armor so you can stand firm against all the strategies of the devil. devil. Strategies, tactics, plans. He goes on to say, we're not fighting against flesh and blood enemies. In other words, the people that are doing evil, destructive things are, are not solely the problem. But there's something behind them, something that moves them, something that motivates them. Uh, And I want you to listen to these three things. He says, we're fighting against evil rulers and authorities in the unseen world. We're fighting against mighty powers in this dark world, against evil spirits in the heavenly places. Now listen to these three things. He says, uh, uh, we're fighting against evil rulers and authorities, mighty powers, evil spirits. And where are they? The unseen world, the dark world, heavenly places. So this is what the Bible tells us. In this series, I want to do two things. I want to help you recognize the devil's strategies against you. And I want to help you recognize when you're under a spiritual attack. And number two, I want to help, I want to teach you how to fight back. We're not helpless. We're not powerless. Some of the Bible says about the Holy Spirit, greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. So this is what we're doing. Now, today's message is a little different. Uh, I I think I'm using more scriptures than I've ever used in a message before. I'm using 27 scriptures. 
I'm going to go a little quick. We won't go on any subject real deep, but it's like uh, if you put, uh, put together puzzles. Uh, my mom, my grandson loves puzzles, and the first thing you do is you don't just you know, stir around that little box and find two pieces that match. You dump it all out on the table. And then you spread it out. And then from there you go. You put the boundary and you begin to collectively find the colors and the scenes that fit together. Well, that's what I want to do today. I want to dump it out all on the table and give you a feel for this sense of spiritual warfare. So it's not just something in your head or something you think is weird or non-existent. But you see it's across the pages of Scripture. So uh, let's, uh, let's begin today. I want to answer three questions. Number one, are the devil and demons real? Or is this preacher just crazy? Number two, um, where did they come from? And number three, and this is, this is going to be the application, uh, wh uh, what do the devil and demons try to do to us? My role is not to give you personal opinions. I'm a Bible teacher. I'm someone that believes the Bible is God's word and it holds the answers to life. And I'm going to teach you what it says on the subject. Let's, let's begin. Uh, are, are the devil and demons real? Now, first let me start with... A view that you may not even be aware that you have, but uh, the modern secular view believes that there's nothing supernatural. There's no God, there's no devil, no angels, and no demons. And if I could draw this big circle and say that everything in the known universe, everything a telescope or, or a microscope has seen, everything grown in a petri dish, anything science has been able to replicate, that's all there is. What we can see and what we can touch and what we can quantify, there's nothing else. But the Bible teaches us that there is an unseen world outside the seen world. There is a supernatural world outside that comes involved in the natural world. Now, the world doesn't believe this. Psychology today, there's a little picture uh, that I'll show you. Uh, uh, it's a, it's, it, it, this was the article, and, and that's just a little humorous picture of Satan. Uh, I don't think he looks like that. The Bible says he's an angel of light set to deceive us. But here, the article's written by a man named Phil Zuckerman, Ph.D. Uh, I have great respect for anyone that's gone through the rigors of an education to earn a doctorate degree. But listen, if the basis of your education is faulty, the foundation, a lot of your results, a lot of the things that you're going to say are wrong as well. So if your starting place is there is no God then some of what you say is going to be true and some is not. Uh, here's the title of his article, The Devil? Seriously? How can people believe the manifestly absurd? He goes on to say, Only a completely uninformed, poorly educated man like me with little knowledge of things like evidence could believe in the devil. There's no such thing as the devil, just as there's no such thing as fairies, imps, or goblins. The two largest religions in the world, Christianity and Islam, teach there is a devil. Now listen, they are wrong. Takes a lot of arrogance and pride to proudly declare that. Uh, they're, they're wrong. There is no evidence for such a thing, not a shred. It's simply something that germinated from the unscientific, irrational mind of early humans who tried their best to explain why bad things happen. Now, his thinking is not new. He's a product of hundreds of years of the period of time that's called the Enlightenment. If you remember in history, there was the Dark Ages, the Middle Ages, and this period of the Enlightenment came where basically reason, science, trumped faith. And it was during that time that Enlightenment thinkers tried to push the devil out of the Christian thinking as simply a fantasy of the Middle Ages. 
Uh, here's something I've never understood. Why is it that when science figures out how God does something, we assume God didn't do it and it had a natural cause? In other words, when we figure out, if you can imagine uh, before uh, any surgery had ever been done, before there was an ultrasound, and uh, this, this uh, sperm and egg, this something happened inside a woman when you had sex and a baby came out, and you just called it a miracle. Well, now we figured everything out. But just because we figured it out doesn't mean God was not behind it. Come on now. Just because we can quantify it and understand it. Let me give what I think is a biblical response to this man's article. Satan who is the God of this world, with a little g, Adam and Eve gave him the authority when they rebelled against God. And he's the God of this world. He's in control in many, many ways. Uh, he has blinded the minds of those who don't believe. They're unable to see the glorious light of the good news. Why is that? It's because God, uh, well, the starting place for understanding God is Revelation. God is not just figured out by using linguistic rules to understand the teaching of the Bible. The Holy Spirit reveals himself to us. But their minds are blind. They don't understand the message about the glory of Christ, uh, the exact likeness of God. In other words, if people can't see, they don't believe it. But yet God has revealed himself to us. Come on. And we said yes. Can you just offer praise to God for that? Um, it is a tremendous strategy Satan has to deceive people and make them believe he doesn't even exist. Now, I want to ask you a question, uh, the second part, because both the Bible and Jesus uh, affirm that Satan and demons are real. How many people believe the Bible is the Word of God? The inerrant word of God, that is without fault, without error, that it is true. It is the basis of our understanding. Well, that's, for many of us that are here, that's a question you need to answer. Do you believe the Bible is God's word and authoritative? Or do you believe psychology today is authoritative? Do you believe the words of a secular professor or someone on television who doesn't believe in God? Or do you believe the Bible? That's the starting place. For me, I believe the Bible. I believe it's God's word. I could offer you archaeological, historical, uh, prophetic evidence uh, that it's true, but, but uh, that's not my, my intent today. But it is my intent to ask you or make you realize that maybe much of what I believe is antagonistic towards the Bible or in direct contradiction of the Bible. But if we accept the Bible as God's word for truth and let it build the foundation, I think we'll be better off. Here's what uh, Jesus said. The 40-day temptation... The devil showed Jesus all the kingdoms of the world. Jesus did, didn't just trip out on mushrooms. Jesus didn't have a, an out-of-body experience. Jesus had a spiritual encounter, and somehow Satan showed him. Maybe he took him through the air. I don't know how it happened. Maybe it was in his mind. But he saw the kingdoms of the world, and Satan said, I'll give these to you. You see, he had the title deed from Adam and Eve. I'll give them to you if you fall down and worship me. And Jesus said to him, be gone, you spurious thought. Be gone, you illogical. Huh? No. Jesus said, be gone, Satan. A real spiritual being. Matthew 17, a man knelt before Jesus and said, Lord, have mercy on me. My son has seizures and suffers terribly. And then Jesus uh, sent him to the doctor. 
Nothing wrong with doctors. I'm going to talk about sickness and demons and all that. I thank God we have good doctors. I have a great doctor, several great doctors. But Jesus didn't prescribe a natural cure. Jesus rebuked the demon, and it left him. He didn't rebuke a figment of his imagination. He didn't rebuke a byproduct of middle-age thinking or dark-age thinking. He rebuked a literal demon. Uh, Job chapter 2, you know the story. Uh, Satan appears before the Lord. You say, how can he do that? He's, isn't he in hell? The devil is not in hell. He's not dancing around with a red pitchfork. He's called the prince of the power of the air. So he appears before the Lord, and the Lord said, Have you noticed my servant Job? He's a man of complete integrity. He fears God and stays away from evil. Now listen, Satan replied to the Lord, Take away his health and he'll curse you to your face. And Satan, not a bacterial infection, struck Job with terrible boils. Now, it could have been a bacterial infection. It could have been a virus. It could have been exposure to the sun or, you know, whatever causes boils. But Satan was behind it. So just because there could be a natural diagnosis today doesn't mean that Satan was not the one that caused it. And in this particular case, a direct attack against Job. Uh, but here again, uh, his sickness didn't just happen. He wasn't unlucky. He was the victim of a spiritual attack, and Satan was behind it. Both the Bible and Jesus declare that devil, the devil and demons are real. You and I must decide whether we believe psychology today. Come on now. The secular thought that has influenced our thinking our entire lives or whether we believe the Bible. Now let's move to the second question. Um, where did the devil come from? Where are demons? What's their origin? Who are they? Satan, by definition, is a spirit being who opposes God and seeks to frustrate his plans and lead people in rebellion. He is a fallen angel. His intent is to draw people after him. Just remember what he said to Jesus in the 40-day temptation? Worship me. Demons are fallen angels who rebelled against God and followed Satan. Uh, they're subject to the authority of believers. Now, we're going to talk about that because here's something I want you to know in this series. You're not helpless. You're not powerless in this spiritual battle. You're not just sitting on the 100th floor of the Twin Towers waiting for the airplane to come. We have spiritual power. Greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. But we've got to fight back. And our weapons of warfare, as we'll talk about, are not carnal, but they're mighty through God to the pulling down of spiritual strongholds. The power of directive prayer is our primary weapon in this great fight. Let's read on. 70, Jesus, uh, Luke chapter 10, he sent out first 12 apostles, then he sent out 70, some translations, 72 disciples. He sends them out. They're happy. They come back. And they said, Lord, demons obeyed us when we used your name. And Jesus said this, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. A flash of lightning, Satan was cast out of heaven. Revelation 12, 9 offers more insight. The great dragon was cast out, Satan. That serpent of old, remember the Garden of Eden, the snake, called the devil and Satan. He deceives the whole world. He was cast to the earth, and his angels were cast out with him. So the Bible teaches, number one, that Satan is real. Demons are real. They are both fallen angels. And demons are fallen angels that, have, that, have, have, have follow, that are following Satan. 
And their intent is to deceive and destroy and have as many followers as they can. So those are just some Bible basics. But what I want to get into now is I want to get into the most practical part of this message. And I want you to open your understanding and open your mind to possibilities about how Satan may be directly attacking you. And what I want you to do is get out of your head the picture of the exorcist, okay? Satan is not a woman with a 10-inch with a, a, a gr- tongue that vomits green and spins her head around in circles. <laughs> Just throw that away. The Bible says uh, Satan is what? He's an angel of light. He's an angel of light. He comes to us in many, many ways. I I researched this this week, and I found at least 20 different scriptures that says what Satan does to people on earth. Uh, I whittled it down to 15, and I'm going to do my best to get through them quickly today because, again, we're dumping out the pieces of the puzzle. We're not trying to to build just one of them, but I want you to, to paint this picture. And here's what I want you to do. I want you in your own personal life to think about where does he seem to be after me? What seems to be my weakness? What seems to be the things that I do or are done against me that could have a satanic origin? Because I'm going to encourage you to do what the Bible says, fight back. The Bible says resist him, he'll flee, but first we have to recognize him. And I want to show you some ways that he works. Uh, uh, if you're here today and you're thinking in your mind, oh, I should have gone to another church. This is stupid. <laughs> who, who do you think is talking to you? Where do you think that thought came from? Did it just come from the known world in your own little brain? Or was there something, someone? Let me give you the first one. Satan wants to stop God's word from taking root in our life. How many of the Bible has power to change us? It shows us how to please God. Satan wants to take it away. Remember the parable of the sower? In the parable of the sower, there was a farmer, and he went out with seeds, and he sowed these seeds. And he didn't, Jesus didn't tell what the explanation was, but in verse 14 he does. He says, the sower sows the word or the word of God, and these are the ones that come along the path, the birds where the sown, as word is sown. When they hear, say it with me, Satan. Satan immediately comes and takes away the word that's sown in them. What does that mean? Somehow Satan, through an alternate thought. You know, Satan uh, had a conversation with Eve in the Garden of Eden. They had a, a conversation. We're going to talk about it one time. I'm going to do a case study on temptation. Uh, they had a conversation about it, and kind of know conversation is simply the byproduct of your thought life. And Satan wants to get God's word out of your thought life, but what God wants it to do is God's word to take root and take hold. Have you ever been moved to believe and act on God's word, but something happened? Maybe you were, uh, maybe you heard a, a message preached about serving God and finding significance in your life and using your gift. And you were inspired in the Bible study or in church to, to do it, to find a place to get involved and, and call the office, show up, go to the connect room and say, hey, I want to do something to serve the Lord. And you walked out of the sanctuary with that thought. But when you got out, something happened. 
you started thinking about how busy you are on Tuesday night and how tired you are when you get off on Thursday and Friday is date night and, you know, Sunday you just like to come and rest and be with the Lord and you just kind of came to the conclusion that now is not a good time. You'll wait until your kids are grown. It all sounds logical. It's all in here. But the, I just read you from Scripture where Satan wants to take away God's Word from our thought life. Second one, Satan influences people to do evil. Now, this is huge. If you're looking for a source of why is there so much badness in the world, why is, well, why is there rape, why is there murder, why is there killing, why is there abortion, why, why, why is there divorce, why is there hatred, why is there so much vileness? Uh, John 13, 2, it's during the Last Supper, Jesus is in his disciples, when the devil had already put into the heart of Judas Iscariot, to betray him. Judas Iscariot walked with Jesus for three years. Arguably, Judas did miracles alongside with Jesus. He saw the miracles. But Satan had a hook in Jesus' life that was greater, in Judas's life, that was greater than all that. It was called the love of money. Next week, I'm going to talk, we're going to do a case study on that and how Satan was able to control his life. And he put this hook out there, baited with just the right bait. Anybody like to fish? Well, how many know sometimes fish like a topwater lure? They like a little popping bug in the evening. Sometimes they like a, a worm, but they want that worm either on the lily pads, but sometimes it's on the bottom if it's hot. Sometimes you need a little weight. Sometimes you need a bigger weight if the wind is blowing. But just the right bait, that old fish will bite. Everyone in this room, including me, has areas in our life where Satan is, tries to get us and pull us and push us into an evil direction. Listen, Judas betrayed, he baited a hook. What hook does he use on you? One of my case studies is going to be about the power of immorality, of lust, of pornography. Maybe the hook is pornography. And it's the most shameful thing in your life. You're a Christian, you know better. It, 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 it does not help your marriage if you ever think to tell your spouse, let's spice up our marriage with a little pornography, you're crazy, my friend, because it does not work. You wonder why there's so many people on the pages of our newspaper in orange jumpsuits because they've just molested a child. Just this week, I read a 33-year-old middle school teacher, a woman, molested a little 12-year-old boy come over to her house for sexual... Where does all this come from? I'm telling you, friends, Satan has a hook and he wants to hook you with something to pull you into an evil place. Let me give you another one. Satan disrupts our plan. I'm preaching better than you're amening, by the way. <laughs> Satan disrupts our plans to advance the gospel. All right, greatest task Jesus gave us, great commission. 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, Paul said, uh, we wanted to come to you again and again, but Satan hindered us from coming to Thessalonica. Now, I don't know if the ship that he was going to go there on was full. I don't know if, you know, if the God through the wilderness. I don't know what it was. But Satan has the power to somehow orchestrate circumstances to create, to stop us from doing the work and the will of God. Uh, my wife hadn't been on a missions experience in a year because of, of the coronavirus. I wonder if there was anything demonic behind that. I wonder if, if maybe the church gets ready to do a big community outreach and is going to do it outside on state line, but a storm comes in and stops it. Pastor, are you saying every storm is from the Satan? No, but I'm saying there's a possibility because Satan wants to distract us 
from the gospel going forwards. How about you or you're in ministry in the life of the church? Maybe you're a life group leader. Maybe you work with kids and you do a fantastic job. But you're going to have to take a leave of absence for six months because your 13-year-old's gone crazy. They, they, they found a little uh, guy friend and uh, you thought everything was okay. By, I mean, they, he looked like an innocent little kid. But he turned your kid onto violent video games, and before you know it, your kid's, you know, smoking pot. And before you know it, your kid's, you know, stayed out, and you don't know where he was one night, and, and, and your home's falling apart. Is it just possible that Satan wanted to stop you, so he used the vulnerable 13? See, everything we see is not just in the world that we see. There's an unseen spiritual battle. Let me give you another one. Satan persecutes Christians. This is pretty obvious. Revelation 2.10 well, it's not obvious because what we hear it like is this way. We hear uh, uh, Islamists were angry because someone showed up in their town and wanted to build a church, so they drove them out. And who, who has the right to undermine another man's religion after, way, after all? Revelation 2 says, don't fear what you're about to suffer. Behold, the devil, devil is about to throw some of you in prison. In prison. Now, look, if you go out and you steal something in town and you get arrested by the police and they put you in jail, don't blame the devil for that, okay? Come on now. If you're out drunk driving, come on now. Don't, don't, don't blame the devil because, you know, you got put in jail. Uh, no, but, but the devil can throw some people in prison. Be faithful unto death. I don't like that. Uh, open doors, the ministry tells us there are 260 million Christians around the world that are living in a persecuted life. Christians in China right now, are it, it's mayhem. If, if the Chinese government, the communists, find that you are involved in an underground church, they'll, they'll put you in jail. Uh, this same group tells us that, uh, I believe it was in, 19, it was in uh, 2019 and 2020, in 2019 there were 1,847 churches that were attacked, Christian churches. The next year, 9,488, a 500% increase. Who do you think's behind that? When you hear that or read about it, don't just say, I just wish somebody would do something about it. Our government needs to, and our government does need to protect religious freedom. But you know what? We need to pray and stand our ground for our brothers and sisters because it's a demonic thing that's going on out there. Let's keep going. Satan gives people supernatural powers. Now, this is an interesting one. To deceive and keep people away from Christ. Acts 13, there was a man, his name was Elimus. He was a magician. Now, he didn't have his little store over on 8th Street with a sign out there and it says magic acts. He didn't do sleight of hand, quarters in the ear and all that. This was black magic. It was real spiritual power. And he was the, he was the, the counselor or close to or an advisor of the Roman proconsul. That's a political figure. Let's just say it was like our county judge. Or let's just say it was like the mayor. And here you've got this magician, a demonic man. Listen to what he's trying to do. Turn the pro-council away from the faith. Every time the pro-council turns on the Caleb, he turns it to something else. Every time he tries to go to church, there's business to be done. Paul was filled with the Holy Spirit, just like you and I can and should be. He said, you son of the devil, enemy of all unra of righteousness, full of deceit. 
Will you stop making crooked the straight paths of the Lord? And you know what he did. He got the man delivered from that demon. But have you ever wondered why some of our politicians do insane, crazy, illogical things? We say, well, they're un-American. We say, well, they're socialists. Well, they're communists. Well, they're well there. I wonder who's telling Mr. Biden to support Hamas over Israel. I wonder who is telling Mr. Biden to increase abortion funding. I wonder who's telling Mr. Biden to force us to accept sexual immorality and force us through the Equality Act to accept gender choice. I wonder if there's everything is coming from in here or if there's something from out there that's invaded someone's life just like this magician. Let me give you another one. Satan schemes to divide and destroy churches. Now, this is very personal. 2 Corinthians chapter 10. Let me read the verse and I'll explain it. When you forgive this man, I forgive him too. So that... See, when I do this, I'm not scratching my ear. I'm not giving you hand signals. I'm not a baseball coach saying bunt the ball. I want you to tell me what's next. It kind of helps you stay focused and it helps it get in. So Satan won't outsmart us. For we are familiar with his... Evil schemes. Now, here's what happened. There was sexual immorality in the church. What happened, a man was literally sleeping with his stepmother, and Paul said it was wrong, but he said, hey, man, it's fun, uh, whatever he said. So then they excommunicate him, and now he's outside the church, and what Paul is saying, hey, man, we need to reconcile this brother. We need to forgive him. Hence, he writes to them, forgive this man so Satan won't outsmart us. In other words, Satan has ways that he tries to divide the church, separate Christians, get leaders out of their roles. You say, well, what, Pastor? Uh, uh, gossip. Gossip is a big one. I want you to picture two people, two men or two women, your choice, and they're texting back and forth in each other. And one text uh, last, uh, last week, and it said, it's an ongoing text, did you know, see Pastor Miller back today? Oh, yeah, he was there. I saw him. It was great. Communion was there. And we had communion. But, and the other one says, wonder where his wife was. <laughs> well, I don't know. You know, it's possible they're having marriage problems. Oh, <laughs> huh. well, wow, that bears witness. <laughs> and the other one says, maybe the pastor has a girlfriend. <laughs> Did, this was today. It's ongoing text training. Did you see that in the first service, his wife left after her prophecy? Maybe she left. This is, this is true. This is happening. Maybe she left because he's not a man of God anymore, because he's not preaching. He's not living the word of God. I wish they'd included me on that text. The other one said, listen, he doesn't have a girlfriend. He's old and ugly. <laughs> And if they had put me as a threesome on there, I would have responded, I am not ugly. <laughs> I would have said, last week, Linnell was in Hawaii with our daughter, Rebecca, celebrating her graduation. Her parents have a condo there, and they invited her to come. And this Sunday morning, when she was out of the first service, she went to the Connect class to prophesy over people. I don't know what you're clapping about, but let's not let that happen. 
uh, gossip, child abuse, adultery, unforgiveness, embezzlement. Uh, people get offended. They take sides. Let's recognize Satan wants to destroy what God's doing. And let's, let, let's not give him place. Come on, give the Lord a hand. All right, I got to put it in overdrive and you got to give me a couple more minutes. Satan causes unbelievers to do his bidding. Now listen to this. Ephesians 2, 2. You used to live in sin just like the rest of the world. What? Obeying the devil, the commander of the powers of the unseen world, commander of demons. Listen to this. He is the spirit at work in the hearts of those who refuse to obey God. He's a spirit at work in the heart of the unbeliever that rejects God. Have you ever heard of anyone that lost their job because they posted on personal account and social media that they believed in traditional marriage? Well, well why were they fired for that? Is it possible that Satan inspired someone to do evil? How about the Equality Act? It sounds great, but do you know Equality Act puts sexual practice over religious freedom? The Equality Act, if, if passed by the Senate and signed by the President, which he would, uh, it would, it would uh, uh, force uh, sexual immorality issues to trump uh, religious freedom issues. It would force people in the medical profession to perform abortions. It would push strongly a gender-confused child to be able to get hormones and have surgery at the age of 9, 10, 11. I mean, what child knows that? This, this, some, is this just all coming from the circle? Or is there something outside influencing what's going on? Did you hear this week that our uh, Governor uh, Abbott signed a bill stopping abortions after heartbeat? Come on. Wasn't that a big thing? But absolutely be assured in the next few days, lawsuits are going to be filed to stop that. They're going to find some judge. No, is that just in the circle? Is that just politics of the left and the right? Or is there something else? Sure it is. Let me give you one that's kind of a, 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 an umbrella. Satan destroys lives. In Hebrew, one of the devil's names is Abaddon. In Greek, it's Apollyon. They both mean the same, destroyer. When Jesus described uh, Satan, he described himself as the good shepherd, but then he said Satan is a thief and he comes to steal, kill, and to destroy. destroy. Now, maybe your life is under attack. I mean, you're attacked from all sides. Your job, your health, your family, your children, you just, everything is falling apart. Is it possible that it's a spiritual attack just like befell Job? Job's kids were killed by the devil, and the devil somehow used a windstorm to do it. He used the Sabians to destroy Job's wealth. And then Satan somehow used, caused Job to be sick. I want you to know this, friends. 1 Peter 5, 8 says, Be alert, your enemy the devil prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. And then what does it say? Resist him. What that means, fight back. You are not passive. Listen, turn the other cheek once, turn the other cheek twice. Fight back. I don't have time to explain that, what I just said and did, but there's probably a little truth in it. Um, uh, 
Here's one, thank you. Here's one that I bet you've not thought about, Ephesians 4. Satan tries to make us angry enough to do his bidding. First, uh, 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 Ephesians 4, don't, let, don't sin by letting anger control you. Now, there's nothing wrong with anger. Anger is a human emotion. The Bible says be angry and sin not. But don't let anger control you. Now, listen to verse 27. Anger gives a foothold to the devil. Anger can make you do domestic violence and lose your family. Anger can make you road rage and have an accident. Anger can make you go out and get drunk and kill somebody. Anger can make Judas betray Jesus because he was angry at what Mary did and Jesus rebuked him. You say, why are you telling me these things? Because I want you to realize when the devil is at work because the greater one is within you. And you can take up the shield of faith and the word of the spirit, uh, the, uh, the sword of the spirit, which is God's word, and you can fight back. You don't have to just say, well, my granddaddy was angry, an angry man, and my daddy was an angry man. He yelled a lot, and, and now I'm angry, and it's just, you know, in our genes. Yeah, it may be in your genes. It may be a generational curse you need to get delivered from. <laughs> Satan has power to make people sick. Listen to this one, Luke 13. A woman had been crippled by a for 18 years. You say, how did it do that? I have no clue. When Jesus saw her, he put his hands on her, and immediately she straightened up. Now, verse 16 is, is revealing. Shouldn't this woman whom Satan. Satan has kept bound 18 long years be free on the Sabbath day? And then Jesus ministered to her, and she was set free from that demonic power. Now, let me say this. Not all sickness is directly caused by the devil. You listen, I'm grateful that there are doctors that are operating in this realm that know when to give an antibiotic, come on now, that know when to give something to help with COVID. I am grateful for these things. But some sickness has a demonic cause. Some sickness is an attack of the devil. Job could ver uh, verify that it was true. This woman could verify that it was true. Praise the Lord. Maybe that's why in Mark 16, one of the signs that would follow believers is that they would lay hands on the sick and they would, just saying. Uh, let me give you another one. Satan seeks to pull people away from God and back in the world. Anybody honest enough to say in my Christian experience, there's been a time or two that I've backslidden a bit? Well, was it just you or was Satan trying to pull you back under his umbrella? 1 Thessalonians 3, 5, Paul said, I sent Timothy to you, Thessalonians. I wanted to learn about your faith. I was afraid the, the devil had tempted you and our work was wasted. Maybe you could say it this way. I was afraid that when you went to that party, the smell of marijuana pulled you back in. I was afraid that that woman in that black dress... I was afraid of that man in that, those tight, skinny jeans. <laughs> I was afraid that that easy access to your company's money. I don't know. What, what, what hook does he try to throw out to you? Because he wants to pull you back in the world, friend. Listen, what's back there? I've been married to one woman for 37 <laughs> 
She's nodding her head pretty good. 37 years, never had an affair. Tempted? Yes. Did I obey the temptation? No. But guess what else? I hadn't got a sexually transmitted disease. Nobody had to get an abortion. I didn't disqualify myself from the ministry. Come on. I didn't lose the respect of my children. What's back there? All Satan offers is for temporary pleasure. I got to run. Satan is behind murder and violence. He t- Jesus told the Pharisees who crucified him. He said, you belong to your father, the devil, and you want to carry out your father's desires. He was a Satan was a murderer from the beginning. In the fall, in the Garden of Eden, what happened after they left? Cain did what? Killed Abel. Pharaoh killed babies trying to kill Moses. Herod killed babies trying to kill Jesus. Today, we're told abortion is a right because it's your choice to have whatever. Today, media violence entertains us. Our children, you need to watch your children's games, friends. I talked to a woman last night who's a nurse in a psychiatric hospital. She said these kids are coming in suicidal and virtually every one of them is is addicted to violent video games and pornography. He was a murderer. Media violence, gang violence, domestic violence, murder. Listen, friends, don't just say, we need to have a law passed. We need to take people's guns away. We need need domestic violence counseling, and we do. But maybe we need the power of God to help people get free from these things. Maybe we need to realize that it's a spiritual battle that a counseling course alone won't solve. And I'm grateful for counseling courses. I'm grateful for domestic violence. Don't get me wrong. I'm just saying all the answers are not just in the circle. Uh, Satan torments people and make them go crazy. A man who was possessed by demons came to meet Jesus. A long time he was homeless and naked. Are you saying every homeless naked person has a demon? No. No. I'm just saying this one did. And another one might. If the Bible's true. A long time he'd been home. He lived in the cemetery, the tombs. The spirit had often taken control of the man. And when he was put in chains, he broke them. Supernatural power. Notice, completely under the demon's power. And Jesus demanded, what is your name, Legion? And he he replied, Legion. He was filled with many demons. Now, I wonder how many people on our streets, how many, listen, as far as that goes, how many people in Washington, how many people that are homeless have demonic issues that need Christians full of the Spirit? Come on now. Moved by the love of God to help people find the freedom they so uh, desperately need. Please make no mistake. I am grateful for psychiatric hospitals. I'm grateful for drugs that doctors have to help people. But every honest doctor will tell you what they're doing is not fixing every problem. Uh, Every pill is not a Tylenol for a headache. Sometimes we need more. Come on now. We need more than what we're offering. I pray the church would rise up in the fullness of the Spirit and help people get free. Come on, somebody say praise the Lord. My last one, Satan tries to cause people to commit suicide. Mark chapter 9, a man came to Jesus. Teacher, my son is possessed by an evil spirit that won't let him talk. 
Are you saying, Pastor, every mute person is demon-possessed? No, but this one was. Don't get weird on me with this stuff now. Come on. Don't get weird on me, but don't ignore it. Don't think that there's a devil under every chair in this room. But it may be three or four that it could be. I mean, don't look back now. Usually there's two extremes in the Christian world with this. We just totally ignore it and deal with it and say that was then and this is now. Or we try to find a devil under every little toadstool. Are you with me today? Listen, open your eyes. See that it's real. Know we have authority. And, 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 and consider the possibility that there's something demonic that I'm dealing with. It's not just something in the circle. Uh, back to the suicide deal. This spirit throws him violently to the ground. He foams at the mouth, grinds his teeth. When the evil spirit saw Jesus. Now this is interesting. He knew who Jesus was. He saw Jesus, he threw the child in a violent convulsion. He fell to the ground, uh, and, and, and listen to what the dad said. And he's on the ground writhing, foaming. And the dad said, the spirit throws him into the fire and water trying to. Is every suicidal person demon possessed? No, but I want to suggest to you, it's a real good chance that when there's a voice whispering, to take your life. I had an elder in, in our church years ago that was going through a, a horrible crisis in his life. He told me, he said, I was coming home this weekend. I was by myself and I had this thought come into my mind. I should just drive myself into the concrete pole by the bridge. Where does that come from? I want to tell you, friend, we live in an evil world. But I want to close with this. We are not powerless and we are not helpless in this fight. Next week, we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna look at Judas, and we're going to take this apart more. But I want you to remind you of the scripture in James 4, 7. It says, humble yourself before God. Before it talks about the devil, humble yourself before God, which means I'm absolutely and totally dependent on God. I'm dependent on, for, for, for my fighting and fighting for you. Uh, it's not my loud yelling. It's not my screaming. It's the power of God. It's the name of Jesus. It's the blood of Jesus. But then he says, resist the devil. You know what he says? It's on the screen. Resist the devil. What does that mean? Fight against him. You say, how do I fight, pastor? Do I get my concealed carry? No, you fight in the place of prayer. You don't shoot somebody. It's not a flesh and blood battle. You fight in the place of prayer. You use the armor of God that God has given you. You resist him, and the Bible promises he will flee. He will back up because he's recognized a greater power. And I close with this as Pastor Mike comes. There's a promise in the book of Romans that the God of peace will soon crush Satan under your feet. Come on, do it with me. The God of peace will soon crush Satan under my feet. Give the Lord a good hand today. He is worthy of our praise. Why don't you stand to your feet? I'm sorry I went a little long today. Next week we're going to be in this, but this took a lot of puzzle pieces. Uh, I'm, I, we're going to close this way. I'm going to invite our prayer team to come to the front right now. And maybe you're here, and maybe something really rang your bell today. And there's nobody in this room. I've been looking in this entire service. Nobody has a 10-inch green tongue that's been poked out. <laughs> nobody has been spinning their head in this service. But there's a lot of us that this thing called whatever it is, anger, lust, a strategy, a tactic, Maybe it's been loosed against you. Maybe it's been loosed against your family. I cannot think of a better time to let somebody help you start dealing with it than right now in the place of prayer. And uh, if you recognize him, hey, that's the first step. 
now we're going to go into resisting and we're going to go into winning. And if you need prayer after his comments, you come up and we'll pray for you and believe God for miracles. Thank you for coming. I love you. Amen. amen. Good work. You know, our altar team is coming up. Please don't leave without agreeing somebody in prayer before you leave. If you have a need, if you want to agree for a family member, because we're believing miracles happen at this altar when two, when two or more agree. And as you leave, uh, if you want to give, there's ushers on the way out and offering boxes and debit machines. But if you're a first-time visitor, definitely take that little card, fill it out, and drop it uh, by the connect room when you leave. But the most important question before you go, are you 100% sure if you died, you'd go to heaven? Just think about that a minute. Pastor's been talking about that. Uh, greater is he who is in you than he is in the world. If you want to win against the enemy, who do you need to have inside of you? You need to have Jesus inside. He's not going to force his way in. He don't get inside by just showing up to church once in a while. He gets inside by making a decision to invite him into your life. And when you do that, that's when things begin to change. That's when you have a relationship with the Lord. So if you don't have a relationship with the Lord, you've never asked Christ into your life, or you've gotten off track, please come over to that cross at the end of the service, and we're going to pray with you. By just saying that prayer, you're giving God permission to come into your life. And then you have the greater one living in your life, and you can start seeing victory in your life over the enemy. Amen? Amen. We're going to worship one time as we go. Oh, a reminder, I had several people ask if we're going to have a car show on Memorial Day weekend. We're not having it on Memorial Day, but we are moving it to Father's Day. So we'll be having a car show that you can invite friends and family to and believe for people to be saved on that day. Let's worship the Lord as we leave. We'll sing it. It's your breath. It's your breath in our lives. So we pour If you need prayer for anything at all, we'd love to pray for you. Uh, we'll stay here and worship with you as long as you'd like to hang out with us. And uh, for everyone else, you can be dismissed at any time. We just pray that you have a blessed day today.